You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Happy Wednesday, everybody. We are back to Wednesday nights, at least kind of for the time being. We've been doing some Thursday night stuff, occasional Wednesdays, but usually in training camp in the in the season, despite some different uh, scheduling things, we, we like going Wednesday night, kind of our old school thing. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sheeran. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Well, John, busy week already, and it's not even halfway done. Uh, <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about tonight with with things. How are you doing, buddy? Smacked right in the face with a lot of stuff that a lot of stuff <laughs> has happened, right? Um, a lot of the things that we've been waiting for, specifically, you know, training camp beginning, a certain player's contract, two other certain players' contracts that haven't really gotten here just yet. But things are ramping up. And before you know it, we'll be previewing the Browns game in September 10th. But for now, we have some training camp to talk about. We do have some training camp to talk about. We've also got a big domino that has fallen. Um, and I guess that's where we will start. And that is that Justin Herbert, the guy who was picked just a few picks after Joe Burrow in the 2020 draft, um, who's had a, a pretty a very nice career with, with the Chargers, despite not having the postseason success, statistically really you know great career to, for Justin Herbert. He inks a 5 year 200 262.5 million dollar contract john sharon um and this came through was it yesterday right uh last night i think and so now um this is another one of those dominoes that that falls for joe burrow's contract extension we'll get there in just a second we can talk about justin herbert's contract we'll pull that up um but, I mean, this is basically now we're talking Lamar Jackson, we're talking Jalen Hurts, we're talking Justin Herbert. I mean, deal after deal is being cemented that affects Joe Burrow and his contract extension. And this one kind of most likely seems to be the last one to fall in place to get the structure done for Joe's deal. It's so funny, man, because our buddy Mike Florio for Pro Football Talk, he wrote an article <laughs> It was yesterday morning about how the Bengals and Chargers are in this waiting area with their quarterbacks because it's like a standoff in a war. Like, no, neither Justin Herbert's camp nor Joe Burrow's camp wanted to move first, apparently, and that was supposedly supposed to benefit both teams because, you know, both quarterbacks weren't necessarily holding out. And then 12 hours later, because we had heard nothing about Justin Herbert's contract negotiations, even to the level of the reports that we heard about Joe Burrow, and then Herbert, that news comes out, and it's now the largest deal in NFL history in terms of just total uh, money involved and average annual value. And just like with Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, every notable metric in the contract has now elevated. Not only is the average annual value now higher than both Jackson and Hurts, uh, Justin Herbert's total guaranteed, not like fully guaranteed, but like practical guarantees are now. 193 million dollars which is about eight million more than lamar jackson 
His fully guaranteed number at 133 million is actually just right below Lamar Jackson at 135 million. But the benchmarks have now been firmly established because if there's any quarterback here that was going to get paid this offseason that compares the most to Joe Burrow, it's Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. And this was always going to be the floor that Burrow's camp wanted to say, we want to leapfrog this, whether it's a huge leap or just a minor leap to maybe a few million dollars more per year, whatever the case may be, this was always going to be the true floor and it's the true starting point for Joe Burrow. And beyond just the total money or whatever, we could be seeing with Joe Burrow the first contract with 200 million in practical guarantees because that would be the next step for any quarterback and Joe Burrow just happens to be the next next guy in line. So when you look at this here, um, you, you can see this is on over the cap for Justin Herbert and the numbers four is, I mean, man, some of these cap numbers here. Um, But I mean, it is what it is. And this, I I believe if I remember correctly, the one just below his, he's at his contract value, the total value, 262.5 million. Right. I think the one below that, what was it? 260, right. Or two, two fifty five, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it it was just, again, that minor leap just to get him to be the fully, you know, the, the number one paid player, uh, in NFL history here, and you can you can kind of see some of the numbers here. Um, and, you know, you're looking at the first two numbers. Uh, those are basically what – that was basically what uh, his his rookie deal – is that still part of his rookie deal? And then they tacked on five years? Is that kind of how they how they structured that? Or what? 2023 was the last year of his rookie deal, and 2024 okay. is the fifth year option. So yeah, Yes, yeah, that's okay. That's what I was – yeah. Uh, and so then, yeah, you tack on these extra five here. So there you go. Um, but then, you know, you look at these numbers, prorated bonuses, you know, you're looking at 22 million a year, basically 22 plus million a year uh, through the first handful of years of Justin Herbert's deal. Um, and then, yeah, you said the fully guaranteed money, it's up here, 133,738,375 is that number. Now, when we talk about this contract and we talk about Joe Burrow, we're going to play you a video in just a second too, by the way, about Joe Burrow, the potential contract he would sign, et cetera. But when we talk about that, that's still the area that we're, I mean, the, the benchmarks have been, have been set as you have noted, John. Uh, but you also noted here that this was slightly lower guaranteed money than Lamar Jackson. And then we know with the Bengals and how they have structured while they pay big contracts to their quality players, they have had, big contracts paid out to a number of different stars. The guaranteed money is always the question with the Bengals, right? Um, and, and so that's that, I think, with the Joe Burrow deal, how they're going to structure that, that's going to be the most interesting thing with this, I think. Right. And it's, yeah, like you said, it's one thing to just receive the the largest deal and just practical money. It's the it's the number that, um, like, the, the agent's, care about the most because it's it just means that hey you know i negotiated the largest deal in nfl history and for the most part quarterbacks do see every penny of that deal so long as they're just you know above average and a paid manning situation doesn't occur but as we all know with nfl contracts they are far from 100 percent guaranteed unless you're deshaun watson um <laughs> so with, with, when it comes to guaranteed money in, in this sense like that's the true number that you know teams care about so like the the chargers are truly on the books here for 133 million and i believe like herbert's year one cash is something astronomical it, i think it's the largest in an influence might be if it's not 100 million it's it's i think it's close to 100 million in year one cash i'll, I'll have to look that up though uh here shortly but that, that i mean that that is the big hurdle right it's it's always been a, a matter of how much cash do the Bengals have on hand to pay burrow to basically exceed whatever number the Herbert was going to make and Herbert now has set a pretty high bar in in that regard and obviously you know the whole antiquated escrow rules kind of apply here too but the the Bengals can agree to like a 600 million dollar deal if they really wanted to because most of that 600 million it just gets paid in the future the the team's guaranteed to just incur revenue so long as they, they continue to exist in the NFL and that the NFL continues to bring in, you know, record profits after record profits year after year. Like the money is always going to be there to pay your salary as the years go on. But how much money you have up front that you can put into an account that is guaranteed to be paid to that player. That's always been the question. And I think it's been the reason why a lot of people were suggesting that the Bengals go for some astronomical numbers so they can lower the amounts of true guarantees 
and why for the player's uh, perspective, the opposite is probably their preference because a a shorter deal with higher guarantees mean means that there's more money that's guaranteed to go into your pocket. And if it's a shorter deal, there's a quicker, you know, turnaround for renegotiation and getting, getting back out into the market to then get another big deal on top of that. So the, this five-year range with about 50 or so million dollars per year, that seems to be the sweet spot that quarterbacks and their agents have found. And I would expect it to you know, remain the case with Joe Burrow because I just I don't see a reason why they would deviate from that. Well, there was uh, we've referenced this report a couple of times on the show that I think it was Jeremy Fowler of ESPN in referencing a potential extension for Joe Burrow. This was the this was the last piece of the puzzle for Joe Burrow to potentially sign. Now there was a report that he was going to wait to see. You know, I mean, you tend to believe that now that <laughs> that's kind of come to fruition here. So uh, that's this does appear to be the last piece. Now, not a good day for the Bengals are cheap crowd or the Bengals aren't going to pay players crowd. And there are a couple of reasons why potentially I'm going to show you one here. And this is credit to ESPN and their NFL live crew. Adam Schefter just put this video out about uh, well, their, their Twitter account or X account, whatever you call that platform now, um, put this out about an hour ago. And this uh, tells you a bit about where the Bengals are with Joe Burrow and their contract negotiations. I think by the time the season starts, the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow will figure out a way to bridge their differences and they will produce what then will be the highest paying annual average salary contract in NFL history. If we want to put it on the bottom line of ESPN right now, put it on there. <laughs> Joe Burrow is expected to become the highest paid player in NFL history at some point this summer. We just don't know exactly when, but that deal will beat Jalen Hurts' deal. That deal will beat Lamar Jackson's deal. That deal will beat Justin Herbert's deal. And that deal will be the new landmark deal that other deals then follow because Joe Burrow is going to be a very wealthy man. That news yesterday about Justin Herbert impacted a lot of people, but there's nobody that it impacted more than Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, and they're sitting there, and they now have a starting point at which to go, and I can promise you the numbers are going to be well north of the numbers that came in on Justin Herbert. So there you go. Uh, Now, the key phrase, again, that he used there was average annual value, right? I mean, so there's nuances to that, but – Again, people are saying they're not going to pay him. They're not going to be able to pay everybody. They're not going to be able to they, – they don't pay their players. Just false narrative after false narrative about this team because, as we've said a number of times on this show, they're high-quality skill position players in particular on offense. They pay them, and they pay big money, and it looks as if – and that's Adam Schefter's words there on ESPN and credit to ESPN and NFL Live. Uh, they're going to make a landmark deal. They're going to make him the highest-paid player – in the foreseeable future, probably in the very near future. I, I kind of equate it to like, the, like the, the the entire culmination of like Bengals narratives. It's like a dam. And the past three or so years, there have been many efforts to just completely break the dam down. And right now it's like, it's on its last twig. And <laughs> that, that last twig is in fact, just guaranteeing money beyond the first year. And this is why the initial reporting of the Orlando Brown Jr. deal was so significant because those initial reports stated that he had guaranteed money in the second year of, of that contract. And I was like, oh, th- like this is this is for real now. Like they finally crossed that threshold and that ended up not being the case. He just happened to have the largest signing bonus in for an offensive lineman in NFL history. That was their way of kind of still getting around it. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that with Joe Burrow because I actually just looked it up. Justin Herbert's year one cash is not even anywhere close to 100 million. Lamar Jackson still holds the record with 80 million getting paid this year. So that's still the benchmark. The Bengals are probably going to have to eclipse that if they want to continue not breaking their mold of not guaranteeing money beyond the first year. They're going to have to give him well north of 100 million in cash in 2023 alone. And if they can do that and Burrow is okay with that, then they should just go ahead and do that. But if they want to kind of follow the framework of what these other quarterbacks have done in order to make this as simple as possible, they're going to have to just break down that final twig and just release the damn water because that, that is the last step here in terms of just the Bengals being completely like any other franchise 
because they've done so much already to erase a lot of these narratives. But that's the one that people still hold on to. People in the know too, like Jason for over the cap. Like that was something that he referenced yesterday when talking about how you know Burrow is not necessarily in the same shoes as Justin Herbert because of the team he plays for, and that still holds weight because we still have yet to see a contract like that. But if any player is capable of breaking the Bengals mold here, it's obviously Joe Burrow. That, yeah, I mean, that's you just took the words right out of my mouth right there. I mean, yeah, I mean, that the, the changes have coincided with his arrival. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think the major changes, I mean, there have been some slow and incremental changes, obviously, in the Marvin Lewis era and all of that. We know that. But the, the major changes we have seen over the last the, the free agency approach in terms of outside free agents, the, the initiatives, fan engagement initiatives, everything, right? Everything we've seen has really coincided in these last handful of years and his arrival. So that's, and quite honestly, they may have to. I mean, I, I don't know that he's going to, they know the numbers, the, the, the a lot of the numbers that you said, you know, first year cash and everything. Um, they know those numbers. So they, they're going to reference that. And, you know, that's probably what they're going to, uh, you know, I don't see how they're going to work around that. But your gut feeling on when, because uh, this is not, it seems like this isn't going to be an if anymore. Uh, when this gets done, do you think it's done this week? Do you think it's done months down the road? I mean, not months down the road, but do you think it's done later this summer? Do you think, I mean, when, when do you think this is done now that this Herbert deal is in place? Your gut feeling? I mean, it, it could literally be any minute. Uh, like yesterday, like I went out with some friends and I took my I took my computer there just because <laughs> I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to miss it out. Like I didn't know if they were just waiting for that shoe to drop so they can just tweak a couple of numbers there. Um, I mean, I mean, we, we've seen these deals happen in early August. We've seen them happen like a day before week one. It just could be any time in this framework. And that's why I think Schefter was just very vague about it being, you know, sometime before the regular season begins. I think there's just, you know, crossing T's and dotting I's at this point. Like the, like the cash is there. There's enough confidence to say that this is going to happen. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it happens sometime between the end of the preseason and the beginning of the regular season. <laughs> okay. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, part of me thinks that this will get done really fast now that really quickly, now that this is, you know, um, now that they've got all this language and everything, uh, figured out and the numbers kind of crunch and everything. But uh, part of me also thinks that it may take, it may, may linger out there a little bit. I mean, I would say, you know, Hey, maybe by the end of this week, it, you could see something, but, um, you know, I think it's, I think it may go into a little bit. I don't know that, I think there's urgency there, but I don't know if it's now, you know, well, we have to get this deal done days after the Herbert deal. I don't know if there's that much urgency, particularly if they're ironing out different numbers and maybe digging some some toes into the sand and certain elements of the contract. But yeah, I think it's going to be in the very near future for sure. Um, the other element, John, that I wanted to share was that, that kind of coincides with this is now you know, you have this, the sentiment, well, first it was, well, they're not going to pay Burrow. Now it's, well, it's Adam Schefter and pretty much everybody believes that they are going to pay Burrow and pay him handsomely and pay, make him the highest, at least at the current time, the highest paid player ever. Now, that being said, then the, then the second argument is, well, if they're going to do that, then that means they're not going to, um, that means they're not going to be able to keep T Higgins, Jamar Chase, maybe even Logan Wilson, DJ Reader, all these other guys that are going to be coming up here, their contracts are coming up here. Well, this is um, now an article on CincyJungle.com, uh, and the quote is, I'm confident we'll be able to keep everybody. Uh, and so not a good day for the, the haters of the Bengals trio here. And the quote here, because Burrow joined, again, once again, credit to Field Yates, ESPN, and NFL Live, quote, our front office has done a great job of that the past couple of years of putting us in the best position position to succeed the way that we have. So we'll see where it goes, but I'm confident that we'll be able to keep everybody again, likely referencing T Higgins, Jamar chase and, and others in that, in that mold there. So, you know, again, I, I keep, I keep saying, it, I don't want to be a broken record, but the Bengals have shown in the, in the, slimmest of times and the darkest of times in their pretty good days and in their really good days that they pay quality players they pay quality offensive skill positions and they do so handsomely and they find ways to keep multiple players at a time to keep a core intact and i think they recognize that the second thing john and i would love to get your thoughts on this is we've seen a lot in basketball but i mean these guys these stars know 
that they want to play with each other and they find ways to stay on a team, to go to another team together, whatever the case may be. And they know where they can win and if they can get paid and it's a place where they know that they can win because they are together, they will find a way to do that. And I think that that's a bit of what's being, you know, hinted at here with these kinds of quotes with Joe Burrow and, and the crew that should be getting subsequent contract extensions after his. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I feel like this isn't really understood for whatever reason, but like teams and front offices, they negotiate with multiple players coincidingly, like at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. Um, best example, DJ Reader signed his contract in free agency like 4 p.m. on like Tuesday of that year. And then Trey Waynes agreed to terms <laughs> yep. like 20 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A couple years prior to that, I think it was. Gino Atkins and Carlos Dunlap agreeing on the same day, and they were both like they had their extensions, right? The time, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, these things happen all at once, which is why I don't think the timing with a Burrow extension has anything to do with getting you know T Higgins or Logan Wilson to wraps. Like those preliminary talks have already happened. The numbers are already there. This is also kind of a reference to uh, Zim's whole thing with T. Like that that contract has more or less been drafted at this point. It's just a matter of making sure that enough cash is on the table to actually fulfill those contracts, making sure that Burrow is done first so then all the other financials end up making sense. It's entirely possible that you see two or three deals follow uh, Joe Burrow in very rapid fashion just to get all this stuff done. It's just a matter of making sure that that number one deal kind of um, is finalized. And just, re- just real quick, Anthony, uh, at the Bengals media luncheon, uh, Mike Brown's like annual ten minutes of talking a year. He said something that was very that was very true, but also very funny and very indicative of someone who's about to turn eighty eight years old. He was uh, a, a, um, comparing working the salary cap to feeding hogs, and how <laughs> if you have a bag of corn and you have ten ten hogs, you know that corn's going to run out pretty quickly, which is, makes sense. It's another way of saying like you know there's, the pie is only so big, and you know you can only divvy it out in so many different ways. But we've been saying this since February. We know that pie is dedicated to Joe Burrow, his receivers. Like that, those are the most important pieces of the pie. And some parts of the roster are going to get sacrificed from that. And it could be DJ Reader. It could be Shibay Wuzier. It could be several pieces on defense. It could even be, you know, like Tyler Boyd. All these other ancillary pieces to the pie, but nothing comes before Joe Burrow and his top two receivers. And we've kind of known this from the jump. Additionally, and I talked about this on the, the headline show earlier this week, based on Mike Brown's words, you, you are very well, you know, you very well could be correct in terms of future players and future contracts that may or may not be given out. He referenced sacrifices and, or, you know, tough, tough decisions on players. I think some of those have already been made in this last free agency. I mean, letting some of these guys that are valuable players, their safeties, P Ryan, I mean, they, they offered, you know, P Ryan and I think bell contracts, but I mean, they let, they let those guys go. And that, those are the tough decisions. They probably could have upped things and given, given into things to keep some or all of those guys if they truly wanted to, but those are the sacrifices that then come to keep a Joe Burrow long-term to keep a T Higgins long-term to keep a Jamar Chase long-term. So I think, I think it's the reference is yes, it very well could be future sacrifices, but I think it also was a reference a little bit to quell some fears that it's, it, it's some stuff that may have already transpired. Yeah. You just got to follow what they've done, like what they've actually put on paper, what they've actually put the plan. And that is get younger on defense because there's not going to be major investments really made there. And maybe DJ readers like the biggest variable here because he's phenomenal in every sense of the yeah. word. And he's also old and he has an injury history. So like he's he's honestly like the one you know player here that I'm not sure what his future holds. Like I'm pretty sure that Logan Wilson's gonna get an offer. I'm almost hundred percent sure that T. Higgins is gonna get gonna get an offer. I just don't know about DJ Reader. He might be like the biggest piece here that you know fans want to keep around and maybe the team doesn't really see it that way. Yeah. We will we will definitely see, but the Bengals are doing a lot of work behind the scenes, it would seem, and they, um, you know, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye out for announcements on some of these star players very, very soon. But Justin Herbert um, signs a, a big deal, $262.5 million in total value. 
obviously affecting Joe Burrow and his future contract with the team. Again, Lamar Jackson has has a new deal. Justin Herbert has a new deal. Jalen Hurts has a new deal. There are a lot of young quarterbacks, and um, a, a couple of which were in Joe Burrow's draft class that have received these mega deals. So obviously, it affects what what's going to happen there. And uh, it looks like the Bengals are going to be be primed to give him a uh, a historic deal when the time comes, and then of course do some additional work on some of the other players that they want to extend. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Kazenza. And this is part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network, along with other great shows talking football with Bengal Jim and friends, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk with Matt Minnick, and of course, Three and Out with Jason and Kevin. You can get all of those shows on your favorite audio streamer if you like the audio side. So go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. We are there. And then, of course... If you like the video side of things, you can subscribe underneath the Phantom Man currently right now. John Sharon, there's a Cincy Jungle logo, but our show logo, the Orange Black Insider, is down there. Click that to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And, of course, um, give us a thumbs up if you like what we're doing on, on specific videos or, hey, every video. We appreciate it. And then, of course, you got to go give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page as well. We stream live there and on various Twitter accounts. So thank you for your support. We've been doing this for a little while now, <laughs> and we've had a lot of fun doing it, and hopefully you've enjoyed it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Let's talk some training camp, my friend. Uh, Bengals, I mean, they've been doing kind of some stuff recently, but this was this was the day. You know, they're, they're reporting, they're in pads, they're doing, you know, a, a little bit more intensive drills and all all kinds of different things. But this was kind of the, the true kickoff of, of training camp today. And they are out there. Um, thankfully, it seems that uh, I, I didn't hear anything about injuries or anything like that so that's that's we could be thankful about that but uh and of course we could be thankful that this is a normal start to training camp for joe burrow he's out there day one working with the guys normal for everyone except drew chrisman i don't know if you heard about that but i did yeah yeah uh ho- hopefully he's he's all right but he had i got i on the surface looks just like a joe burrow 2022 situation where it's just surprise trip to the hospital kind of out of nowhere for him so hopefully he's doing all right but everyone else who was at practice seemed to be okay and with and with joe burrow uh the biggest takeaway for me anthony was that obviously being healthy for the start of camp is is phenomenal and it's unlike what he's had to deal with for the past two years but it also means that it's the continuation of what he was doing in otas and mini camp it's not like he was just trying to work his way back to full strength and get comfortable with everything he already has an established comfort level and he was continuing to do the, the things that he was trying to emphasize in May and June. And that to me looked like a lot of throwing off platform, you know, evading uh, rush, rushers and just throwing on the run along with just a reemphasis on play action too. Like we saw a lot of that in mini camp in some of those early clips. And I think that was the first touchdown of training camp this year was a little play action out of shotgun. And he just threw a perfect deep pass to none other than his other, you know, contract buddy T Higgins. So, all these guys are on the same page. They're all fire, firing on all cylinders. We're not worrying about if Burrow is, you know, scared of pressure coming off a bad knee. We're not worrying about where his full strength is. He's not rolling around on a, on a little, you know, golf cart as he's working back to full strength. No, <laughs> he's doing all the things that he was building on in the summer or, or in the spring, and now he's doing the same things in the summer. He, yeah, it's it's a relief to see, and of course, you know, you're, you're seeing the guys run around and make some plays and having some fun. 
That is good. Actually, you know, before uh, I, I'm sure, well, you know, I'm sharing this. Why not? We'll, we'll, we'll go on some of these clips. But there was some big news that came out late yesterday, and it, it revolves around, I believe, this guy, Chidobi Wuzier, is back um, and was cleared from the pup list. I, I was a little surprised at how quickly he returned from the pup list, quite honestly. Um, but uh, he is back working with the team and uh, looks to be on track to get set for week one, what that looks like in terms of snaps and everything. Um, that's, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have to see, but I mean, that's good news for the Bengals kind of getting more like, close to all hands on deck. I was so confused by that because I think we all expected him to start on the pup just because he's coming off a big injury, just like Lyle Collins is to take him off after 48 hours. It's almost like they weren't sure if he would pass a physical, like they didn't even check up on him. And then he just reported was, clearly fine said oh yeah you're good to go but you know they're still easing him back in along with i think jonah williams as well who's also clear to practice and was practicing today so yeah i mean he looks exactly like he did in june when we saw those clips of him rehabbing and everything so yeah it's good to see him back yeah here's uh i think this is from the Bengals twitter account here here's the, the guys coming coming in obviously so that's from bangles.com little video there and then uh here's mike petralia who who noted what you noted here chrisman uh going to a trip to the hospital now did you did you hear that it was an appendix issue or was it just something i still unknown or i i had no no it was was, was, no it was it was undisclosed there's no like specifics yet yeah yeah and here's uh richard skinner um from local 12 saying that he had a medical issue come up and was in the still in the hospital. Um, so that's a little jarring when you read that, but hopefully he's, uh, you know, not no other update or timeline for return there. Uh, and then you see here, here's, here's uh, Joe Burrow from Jeremy Roush, Fox 19, throwing, uh, making some throws here across the middle. You like that. Uh, and then here, Jonah, well, this is the big news, John. Jonah Williams gets the first rep in, teams as the starting right tackle any surprise there for you uh given either the injury and or really the position switch or is this is this what you thought was going to happen here well if he's healthy enough to practice then they're going to give him the first chance over jackson carmen who's his only real competition right now but it was what zach taylor said before practice that was interesting because while jonah is back they're not going to just fully you know just have him take every single rep they're going to take these I think first four practices that he said to kind of ease him back in and there's going to be a mm-hmm. you know rotation of that position so so long as that jonah looks somewhat competent at right tackle in this like four day period before they put on the pads i think he'll probably get first team reps when the pads actually come on and then he'll start to take more reps well that is relayed from kelsey conway there but yeah i'm in agreement with you and i think also while there is maybe a little bit of an element of, you know, give, you know, ease Jonah back in. I do think they want, they want to try and give at least a, a decent look at, at Jackson Carmen as well. Um, you know, I mean, I think right now, you know, Jonah's got the inside track, but they still want something to work out with, with Jackson Carmen. That is for sure. So I, I think they also want to see what he can do and giving him maybe a little bit more snaps or, you know, a, a high level of snaps for someone that is, behind in the in the depth chart there um and then uh here we go trey hendrickson and orlando brown jr in the middle of a of a scuffle um the new guy already making his market at uh at camp uh getting getting involved getting in the mix on the very first practice so when i saw this i i initially thought i mean these two guys probably have played hundreds of snaps against each other already between like you know the chiefs and bills or Bengals rivalry like they've always been going up against each other on that side of the line. So I figured there was like some bad, maybe some bad blood here, but this was according to Orlando Brown Jr. He just saw how, you know, Hendrickson was going at a hundred percent and something just kind of triggered him. He quote unquote blacked out and just kind of went a little too far. And then he apologized or uh, to Hendrickson and, and the team afterwards. So I don't think this was like, like any malicious intent or anything obviously you know tempers flare in training camp it'd be more mm-hmm. abnormal if we didn't see stuff like this but um yeah this there's, there's not a lot to read into here this was just oh i just kind of went too hard my bad yeah yeah um 
I don't know that there's much to see from this clip here. You can, if you can tell nah. what's going on there or not. Yeah. Um, but, you know, interesting to note what you said about how they went up to get against each other and everything. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, these tempers that flare in training camp usually come, you know, after you've <laughs> you've had right. a lot of practices <laughs> and you've been in the heat for for days and days and days right it's like man you're already doing it on day one like uh early in the process that's um anyway uh and then uh this not so great report here from uh yoshivas via kelsey conway saying a couple of drops from him today um and then this was good to see as well with the chidobi awuzie um even though he's returning dj turner the guy who was playing second team reps, uh, he says he makes one of the plays of the day for defense, showing great speed, tracking a deep ball, jumping ahead of the receiver, and breaking up the pass. Nearly got a one-handed pick. He has been the star of second team drills. So you like to hear that as well. So one thing I noticed too, and I don't, um, I don't know if you you saw this. I don't have the clip, unfortunately, but Joe Burrow was speaking with someone somewhat recently, and he was talking about different throwing mechanics from his rookie year to present where he's talking about a little more torque and using that, uh, the, the hips and and the back leg a little bit. And it shows how much more he can get on the ball. And that has seemingly improved the arm strength from what we saw as a rookie in the, the leaps since. Um, I don't know if you've seen that clip. I'll have to try and, and hunt for it. But uh, I, I think you're seeing more and more of that when you see Burrow throw, especially as, you know, you can kind of, things are slowed down and in practice and you're kind of, specifically honing in on just him running around the field basically and throwing to to a, to a single whiteout instead of you know a massive a massive people and a massive bodies where you could really kind of concentrate on the on the mechanics yeah like i mean it's a good testament to why development in terms of like arm strength is never really finalized once a guy gets into the league aaron Rodgers may be the best ever example of this like the way that his whole throwing motion and his arm strength and raw power evolved from Cal to Green Bay was nothing short of remarkable. And it was definitely an area where Burrow needed to improve coming out of LSU. But he did mention in a really funny interview with a Caleb Presley the other day, uh, (laughs) he gave a serious answer. Like the most important muscle for a quarterback is his core. And I think that's all, that's always something that can be improved. And the more torque that you can have, even when you, you don't have like a stable platform, I mean, that's how like some of these quarterbacks are just getting off these fireballs when they're throwing on the run and there's only one leg off the ground. It, it's it's another you know asset that Burrow can have in his back pocket should he increase you know the strength in that area and it's only gotten better since 2020. Not not the heart, John. Not the heart. <laughs> is it, is it, is it, I, I was surprised too. I, I thought I thought it was just like an organ. I didn't know it was a muscle. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was an entertaining interview, man. Uh, <laughs> for sure. For sure. What what else did you see and or hear today from training camp that you, you found compelling and or hey, this is this is something noteworthy? I think we've covered most of it, man, but like just T. Higgins just looks so impressive to me. Like I say this every training camp, but like he's just a bigger AJ Green, and that's scary considering he's the the one B receiver of this team. But it, it is really nice. Like, I mean, obviously it would actually hurt Higgins a lot if he were to not report to camp as Andre Prada mentioned to me on Twitter if he were to hold out right now for a contract he would lose an accrued season and he wouldn't enter unrestricted free agency next year like he he may want to if things kind of go sour here but to see him and Burrow like locked in with with all this kind of over their heads I mean it's it's a testament to you know the culture and the bond that these guys have here and you know there's not a ton that you can go off of from one training camp practice but I mean, this team looks pretty locked in for it being late July. They do, they do look pretty locked in. That is that is for sure. Um, let let's talk a little bit about. Um, I mean, are, are you concerned at all about the report on uh, Yoshivas in the in the drops there? I, mean, I know he's a rookie; it's his very first practice. I mean, we had this conversation from a particular rookie wide receiver a couple of years ago with the Cincinnati Bengals, and that turned out pretty good. But any, any concern there? I mean, I know, you know, not not the biggest football program from whence he came. Uh, and so maybe, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't personally take a lot of stock into it, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, did Princeton use, like, the balls with, like, the, the stripes on the end? Is, <laughs> is he missing that, too? Is, is yeah. Florio drafting up a tweet? Because, obviously, yeah. 
your fifth overall pick dropping footballs is not as or is probably a little bit more important than your sixth round pick doing so, but you know, she'll be fine. Yeah. Any bold predictions from camp from you, John, be it a player. We talked a little bit of, you know, position groups and everything last week as we headed into What are some bold predictions you're, you're thinking of seeing here um, as the weeks unfold? Can, can I say like a slightly negative one? Will you allow me to do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll say Orlando Brown. Whatever you want, man. I'm, not... <laughs> I'm going to say Orlando Brown has some struggles here and there because really? of, of the competition that he's going up against. I think Hendrickson has always kind of gotten the better of him in years past just because he can get under your pads and he can get, get quick up around the edge. Joseph Asai is not really that much different. And if Miles Murphy gets some reps against him, like I think he could flash against him too. Like it's a testament. I'm saying testament a lot this episode, but it's <laughs> it's an example of, of how talented the Bengals are at defensive end. And we have said this so many times, man. Offensive tackles never look tremendous in training camp, especially when there's no pads, right? And they have and it's one-on-ones, so there's no help. But there's going to be some times I think Orlando Brown kind of gets lost uh, against speed, which is expected. That, that's his one sh- you know, shortcoming. And it's not an area to panic. It's not an area to freak out. The Bengals didn't waste $64 million. But it's training camp. It's time for the defensive lineman to shine up until... It's preseason, and we're getting you know actual reps with these guys. And oh, also we should note that we could be seeing these guys, these starters, in preseason action. Unlike last year, Joe Burrow said that he would like to take maybe a, a series or two in preseason just to get you know acclimated, which he didn't get last year. No starters on either side of the ball played for in the preseason last year for the Bengals, and that was also the, something that Zach Taylor said he was open to uh, changing this year. So we might actually see these guys again in playing real action in the coming month. That's what I was just going to follow up and ask you about. How, how much How much time do you think these guys might – because last year, too, you have to remember that the offensive line – I mean, you had three new starters on the offensive line, and, I mean, they really, without preseason game snaps, there wasn't a lot of time to gel necessarily. I mean, you do that in practice and everything, but you started to see them hit their collective stride as the year wore on. And obviously they, they tinkered with the offensive system and what they were doing out there. But I, I guess, you know, if this is going to take place, I mean, are you saying, you know, what, a, a half, a, a couple of series, a quarter, a half, I mean, what, what do you, what are you thinking is the, is the tweak in the game plan? If there is one in terms of playing time for starters in the preseason, I, I could see like two series and yeah. like, cause I, cause I don't know. Like it's it's a whole new world now with with one last preseason game. I guess it's like the third year of that, but it's still it's not like a, a true set like standard like it used to be. Like it was always that third preseason game you'd see a half out of these guys, and that would be it. And then the fourth preseason would just be a tryout for all these guys who are trying to make the roster. Now I think you have some teams who do it in week one and just don't play the final two weeks, and maybe it's week two. That's the new week three. Like I I, I don't know when that comes. Um, but I, I I would expect Burrow and the starters to be out there for at least one series in like the first two yeah. weeks. Yeah, I think I, I I think they I think it would be I mean I know there's their injury risk and all that stuff. I think it would be smart if they did that. Quite honestly, I mean I think they need to get that just based on last season. And then we talked about this too last week. I think John, where the Bengals can't with the way that the schedule is set up and who they play in the first two weeks, they cannot afford a slow start. They cannot afford a no and two start, maybe not even a one and one start. Um, they have to come out hot. They have to come out ready, not sluggish, not. And the hope is again, that with Burrow in the full off season and, and maybe increased playing time in the preseason, that that will not be the case with those first two games. I think, I think we just kind of started something. The Bengals need to be little Caesars hot and ready. <laughs> let's get, let's get a little Caesars on the horn. We need, we need a sponsor. Let's get him on the horn. Let's get him on the horn. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's kind of the, again, we've, we're only one practice in, uh, that's, but you know, training camps here, a lot of stuff about Joe Burrow's contract. And of course the guys are, are out at work and, um, doing some on field stuff. So you like to see that. And I, you know, I, 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 well, there's still kind of the, the little, you know, goofiness as they check in or whatever, you know, I feel, I, and maybe this is just me trying to grasp at straws a little bit. I still feel a little bit like there is a, a slightly different attitude or air around this team, maybe a little bit more serious, maybe, you know, I, I don't know, just based on how last year ended 
and how as they were winning games and going on that streak, and then obviously we talked about the borough head stuff and everything, uh, the, the mayor getting in the mix with stuff. I, I feel like there's maybe a little bit more, and this isn't an indictment on them last year, but just maybe a little bit more business-like it feels like this year going into it based on just, I don't know, little little hints here and there. Yeah, they're careful to not say that there's like more urgency because that would yeah. imply that like, you know, the last two years weren't urgent either, which I don't think is the case in their eyes. But this is, I think, the first real year that there's true, genuine expectations of greatness with them. You have Chris Collinsworth going on Kay Adams and saying, my Super Bowl pick is stupidly the Bengals because I don't think he wants to to do that to his former team. But like, it's it's no longer, oh, this team's going to regress or this team is still bad and there's no way they're going to make the Super Bowl. No, there's like they have a chance to do something that has never been done before in the AFC North, which is win the division back to back to back. And they're the clear number two right now to Kansas City. And they're still considered their biggest threat to take them out. And obviously Kansas city winning back to back Super Bowls. That's not, it's, it's like a 50, 50 problem. I don't think, I don't think everyone's going to be on that board just because that's so rare to happen, even though it's still the Chiefs. So I think a lot of people view this as the Bengals turn to actually do this. And the Bengals can say all they want about not hearing the outside noise. And for the most part, I think it's true, but I think they kind of feel it in their own way too. And that's probably where all this comes from. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, they've been so close the last couple of years. And this this year, you know, these guys are starting to – many of the young stars are now starting to hit their, you know, their primes of their career and everything. And, um, you know, I, I again, I, I like that they don't use necessarily the phrase urgency, but you can tell there's, there's a little bit more seriousness, it feels like, with their approach and what they're doing and, you know, just kind of how they're addressing the media and everything. But maybe that's just me trying to read between the lines and – Maybe I'm feeling that for them. I don't know, <laughs> based on based on last year. But any final thoughts on training camp before we're we're gonna we're gonna start heading out of here in just a minute? Any final thoughts on training camp or anything of that ilk before we head out? Well, the funniest thing that Burrow said after practice, he was asked about being on Netflix's quarterback documentary this year. Mm-hmm, he was approached mm-hmm. about Netflix and he declined. And he said he actually hasn't even seen the season of it. Which, by the way, I would recommend. It's phenomenal. And someone asked him why he hasn't seen it. And he said, would you guys want to watch, you know, a documentary about Hobson, Jeff Hobson? And it got like roars of laughs. And I'm just here to say I would fund that. I would absolutely yeah. like to see the life of Jeff Hobson because the man is an enigma. He barely tweets. We barely hear anything about him. It isn't written on Bengals.com. But I think there's a lot more to meets the eye for Butch, Jeff Butch Hobson. I would love to see a documentary on him. I would love to do that as well. And you know what else I would love to do with, with Jeff Hobson, aside from getting him back on the show again, hopefully we can do that soon. I would love to go to a, because he's a big baseball guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, that's one thing you do know about him. Um, I think it's, I think it's the the Red Sox, right? That's his, that's his jam. So I, I would love to just go to a, a, a game with him and have a, have a beer and just, talk baseball talk football that that would be something where i would be like hey film that film him at a, at, a, at a baseball game hanging out that's what i would i would do but yeah i actually you know john i have not seen that documentary and i i it's not because you know i i just i haven't had the stomach for it i don't know just you know seeing that the whole how it all plays out with mahomes and ending up winning and all of that i'm sure it is well worth the watch. I just haven't had the stomach for it. I don't think as of yet. But you're I, I recommending. Say, I will say there's there's an episode where it does cover the week 13 game where the Bengals beat the Chiefs, and the end of that episode for any Bengals fans out there is is worth the watch. Okay. Okay. Well, you, you you reeled me in. You reeled me in. Was that your was that your mic drop uh, about Hobson? No, the, uh, it was not. Okay. Okay. Let's drop it and let's get out of here. What, what's what do you got for us? My true mic drop is kudos to the Bengals for kind of updating a lot of things in their stadium. Uh, a lot of the graphics have been updated. I think they had like new video board ribbons. But more importantly, TQL Stadium, where FC Cincinnati plays, is the first stadium I saw where they basically had these like high class gas station markets where you just go in, you pick a beer, you check out, and you're bing, bang, boom, you're done. You're not waiting this giant queue line in, in the concourse for like 20 minutes. I'm like, every stadium should have this. And now the Bengals do. They have like like dozens of them throughout the stadium now. It'll make a going to the game and you know getting your stuff a lot quicker, a lot more better. And yeah, long overdue. A lot of those. So, so yes, yes, they look amazing. And so 
where you and I finally met in person at the stadium a couple of years ago, is that one of the areas in which they will have some of these new? Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that was an area that was a little bit, it was a little bit of a disaster at halftime to, to go get your beer and go, you know, bathroom break, whatever it is you need to do. It was, a, it was a little bit of a disaster zone in there. Um, and so, uh, to see, I was, when I saw that, that was like one of my first thoughts. I'm like, I wonder if that's the area that I met yeah. John at halftime for that game, because that was just like traffic jam city and people were, you know, standing in line and the whole deal. So, um, yeah, hopefully, but they look really neat. It's, uh, I think if I remember correctly, they've started to put some of these similar type of things. Uh, when I've gone to angels games out here recently, there's kind of the, the mini marts or the little things where you just kind of shoot in and out of there instead of going up to the full blown concession stand, that sort of thing. So they seem to be effective in terms of, you know, time and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Kudos to them. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, a guy who has been really supportive, actually, of Cincy Jungle and stuff that you and I do, John. And that's Marty Bannister. He's a he's a local radio host. He had uh, I forget his previous where he was previously. And now he's got a new show on Fox Sports in Dayton. And he had me on uh, this afternoon. So go check that out if you if you want to hear me hammer on. But um, great guy. He's really supportive of, of what you and I do in Cincy Jungle. And go give him a follow as well. Marty Bannister. Uh, he is now hosting a show on, like I said, I think it was 980 Fox, Fox Sports 980 in Dayton. Um, so good time. Always talk uh, talk to him and. Uh, big, big Bengals guy. Um, so, you know, he covers a lot of different sports there, but uh, it was fun talking to him. Look at Anthony getting his voice out over Ohio. Love to see it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that, but it was, it was a good time. Well, John, thank you, buddy. You are, you are the man and we'll be back with all kinds of different stuff throughout training camp and throughout the preseason post game reports, guests, listener question shows, all kinds of different some other little tidbit videos and creative videos and stuff. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. So that's why you got to subscribe both to your favorite audio side on the Cincy jungle podcast channel. So you can get all our great shows. And then also if you like the video stuff, you got to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We appreciate it. John, have a good week. My friend we will reconnect on here soon and talk more about what's going on at training camp with the Cincinnati Bengals. Pitching the tent. It's camp time. <laughs> Later. 